Playing violent video games does desensitize people to violence and violent imagery in real life, but it doesn't really make them commit it. This is what we'll be discussing today in the Games Creativity Podcast. I have my friends Simon and Seth here today, and we'll be tackling the very prominent issues of violence and aggression in video games, which I personally think it's a super interesting topic that I have thought a lot about, mainly as I observed other people play games such as Counter-Strike and Grand Theft Auto when I was younger. I was never much of a player myself, more just like a passive observer. Um, I tried playing GTA once, but I never quite got the appeal. Um, But what about you guys? What games have you played? I'll begin with this question. So the games that I've played, most of them have been shooters. I really try to stick within the shooter and sports games, I guess, umbrella, you could call it. The shooter games that I've played... Mostly I've got uh, Star Wars Battlefront and its sequel, Star Wars Battlefront 2. I've played a little bit of Call of Duty. I have played some also campaign-based combat games, such as Marvel's Avengers and Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Both of those are kind of more campaign-based, which means that you go through a story and try and play through that instead of actually just running around a map and trying to find things or kill people. And I've, I mean, my sports games, they're not really violent, but I've played a lot of also like racing and like the Madden games, which is football. So that kind of stuff. Uh, Seth, how about you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I've also played quite a bit of shooters. Um, I, I usually actually play uh, quite a few campaign based games and a lot of open world games as well. Um, so, like, those would be more like GTA, um, Skyrim, No Man's Sky, and kind of games that where I can explore and things like that and do, you know, lots of different things, kind of make my own decisions. Um, but all of those definitely have, like, their own unique elements. And I just think that it's pretty interesting to be able to do kind of your own stuff especially in a game like GTA or Skyrim, where you can make your own choices. Yeah, definitely. That's super, super interesting. Um, before, Because you mentioned shooters, so before we move to anything else, can we just kind of like summarize for our listeners the types of violence that there is in video games and maybe like what are the different types of actual like games where there is like violence. So for example, um, I read a bit about this and I saw like first person versus third person shooter. Like what are you guys, um, what is the difference between all of those? Sure. So a first person shooter, the concept of that game is that you are seeing the world through your character's eyes in the game. So essentially the first person shooter, you would see the weapon that you're carrying on the screen, but it's like you would be carrying the weapon as you're watching yourself play the game. So in that one, it does feel a little bit more immersive And a little bit more, I guess, involved because you're actually seeing the world as your character in the game is seeing it. And the third person shooter is where you are pretty much looking over your character, like looking over the back of your character so you can see the whole player running on the screen and you're looking down on that player while he's running around and shooting stuff. So it doesn't really feel as though you're really there when you're doing that. I think the first-person shooter is designed to be more immersive and, I guess, more... Well, I mean, 
like you're a part of the game and a part of the environment. Some games actually have the ability for you to toggle between first and third person, like Star Wars Battlefront. Both of those games have the ability for you to actually play as first person, which I do for most of the time, or third person. And that's kind of an interesting feature because most games can only be one but I think that that's kind of an interesting concept for a shooter. So those are kind of the explanations about that. I hope I hope that made sense to everybody. Yeah. And then kind of just going off that a little bit, um, you can you can have the same thing, first person or third person, in shooters. You can also have it in like a lot of melee based games. Um, some of the games that I've played, for example, are like Mordhau or uh, Chivalry Medieval Warfare. And these kind of games are more like, so medieval times, so it's bows, which I guess is still kind of like more of a ranged element, but lots of swords and hammers and things like that. And those games can be like definitely equally, if not more so violent. Like a lot of those games have some kind of gore element for like decapitations or like dismemberment, which can be like pretty graphic as well. Um, And so you don't really get quite as much of that in a shooter. And it just kind of depends on the game that uh, the designer is going for. But there there are definitely different elements. And that would kind of fall a little bit under more like a hack and slash category um, than a shooter. Right. Wow. So much variety there. Um, And then with regards to like the violence itself. So we're aware of physical violence, sexual violence, psychosocial violence, verbal violence, bullying, stalking, like so many types of violence out there. Would you guys say that there is like a type of violence that's prevalent in specific types of games um, or is it called kind of like present maybe in one game? How does it work? Well, so with that, I think all of the types of violence that you just listed are present in GTA. Uh, I've not mm-hmm. played too much GTA myself, but I do know a lot of the elements of that. But really, a lot of games, they tend to focus more on the end of just physical violence because shooters I mean, shooters, the whole element of that is that you're going around and shooting people. And so I would say that that's pretty limited to physical violence. But I mean, other games, I don't really know too much about, I guess, psychosocial violence or bullying and stalking as that's depicted in games. So, Seth, uh, have you seen either of those in any of the video games you've played? Yeah, no, just like you said, uh, GTA definitely is a big has a big component there um mostly because kind of like i had stated earlier um you can kind of do whatever you want so in terms of like sexual violence like gta has depictions of like strip clubs and things like that and that can definitely be um you know people can you can't really do anything too crazy in in there but like it's still like could definitely be considered like maybe sexually aggressive or um, that can be depicted that way. And then another thing, like another just side note that I was thinking kind of while you were talking was that physical violence does seem to be um, the major form of violence in most games. But a lot of games do have an element of like verbal violence where even in like a first person shooter, you can't really like control your character's voice, but they'll just be given like preset voice lines where, you know, they can yell at somebody call them names, things like that. And a lot of games have like some kind of element where it's just like passive voice lines where um, 
your character is basically just verbally insulting other characters, um, and you don't really have a ton of control over it. Right. Wow. So it's all pretty much out there. Like, it's an option. You know, you can kind of take part in all of this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow. Um, another thing I was very curious about is just like the mere question of why people play violent video games, you know, like where does this drive stem from? Is it because maybe they have general violent tendencies and they need to express them in some way, shape or form? Is it for stress and tension relief or is it because of all of this together? Like, why do you, what do you guys think? When, why do you play them, for example? So I feel like some of the appeal to violent video games is like you said, a lot of it can be stress relief and it's just, you know, kind of a way to escape the real world and what's going on in your life. Because at a lot of these violent video games that we're talking about, like GTA or call of duty or some of the more popular shooters or campaign based combat games, a lot of the stuff that happens in there, it can't necessarily happen in real life or really it, it can sometimes, but it's very, very wrong and very illegal. So I think that some of the appeal stems from just kind of wanting a way to escape the real world where there's really not many consequences to the actions that you're committing in this virtual space. And I feel like it's not really that people have violent tendencies when they try to play these violent video games, but I feel like it's just a way to kind of relieve stress, kind of, I guess, beat up on somebody who's not going to necessarily uh, have feelings about it. And uh, it's a way to get out of whatever stressors are affecting you in your real life. I, uh, I do agree with that for sure. And then, I think like another component of it is just um, there's like a big market, like there's lots of those games. And so um, there's a lot of different options for, for things like, you know, different games, different types of games, um, different ideas in there that you want, like you want to play or you want to try out. And then, um, you know, another big thing for a lot of people is just like being able to play with your friends. So there's a big market. Um, there's a lot of multiplayer games for it. And then like, you just get to play with your friends, kind of screw around and have fun. Like for me personally, I know that's a big thing that I do. Um, you know, we're in college now, but I still play video games with all of my buddies from high school, like probably every other night, I would say, you know, three or four times a week. And we all just kind of get on there and just like have laughs, do the stupid stuff. And so I think, I think the reasons can definitely vary for, for many different people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And do you guys think um, those games uh, somehow idealize violence um, or not? Well, I think that some of that, yes, I feel like the argument can be made there that sometimes violence can be a little bit idealized because in some of these games, you have really not a component of gore. And I mean, that's not entirely true for most of the games, but for example, in some of the shooters that I've played, it's not necessarily like it's realistic in that the people who you shoot can, you know, I guess take multiple shots before they go down. And when they go down, it's not like they're going to be bleeding out on the ground or anything like that. I mean, that's at least in the shooter games that I've played for the most part. I think it might differ in some others, but I feel like it's really not 
violence is not really depicted to its full extent in what it can actually do to people in some of these shooter games. So I feel like it might be a little bit idealized, but at the same time, it's really supposed to be in some of the games, just a way to uh, have a platform for a multiplayer mode where you can play games and get kills as a part of the playing of games and not really a way to actually depict what violence can do in the real world. Yeah, definitely. I would say a majority of games do that. Um, like Call of Duty usually doesn't kind of does what you described where it's um, there's maybe like some blood or something, but what would probably be realistic in real life isn't necessarily what happens in the game. But there, there are other games. Um, there was a really popular game when when we were younger that a lot of my friends used to play uh, called Gears of War. And that kind of takes it to the opposite extreme where it's almost like trying to, to like overdo it um, or give you almost like too much gore. Um, so there's definitely games like that too that that, mm-hmm. that is almost kind of the point. Um, but I would say a majority of games don't don't really follow uh, that trend. Yeah. I mean, if they're not idealizing it, at least they're kind of like normalizing it in one way or another. Um, yeah. And I think before we move on, we should maybe consider um, like what exactly is the audience for violent video games? Like I was thinking about it, like who do they appeal to the most? Are they maybe more influential and impactful to like a younger audience? And when I thought about it, I think it can potentially be like more detrimental for children to be introduced to violence at a younger age, like through video games. Um, because maybe an adult has already kind of gathered enough experience in their life and knows that violence is inherently inherently wrong. Um, however, a child is kind of like still in its development phase and the violent video games might be like one way for him or her to like gather information and to form their kind of ideas of what's right and wrong. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I feel like that this question is a little bit dependent on kind of individuals. I really don't know if there is a certain market for these video games like shooters. The ratings of the games are normally T and M, which would put them in the category that it's mostly teens and adults who are playing the games. But we know that the ratings are not really followed by a lot of people because Fortnite is an extremely popular game for a very young audience, like, you know, eight through 12 year olds or something like that, despite actually being a T rated game. So I feel like it's really dependent on individuals and obviously, yeah, I think some video games are more geared towards kids than others, but For the majority of games, I really think they try to market it for a very wide audience. Like, for example, with Star Wars Battlefront, I really like playing that, and my dad plays it with me as well. And I know a couple of my friends whose dads also play video games with them. So it really kind of depends, I think, on who is, I guess, buying the game and really not a wide and really not a wide demographic here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think there's definitely a component to 
younger audiences, it can definitely affect them more. Um, I think I think part of that is definitely a parenting thing as well. So, like for example, my parents didn't allow me to play M games until I think I was like I was thirteen or fourteen, um, and I knew a lot of my friends when I was like when I was younger, kind of like eight, nine, ten. Uh, a lot of my friends were already allowed to play M games like that. And I think I could, I could definitely see like that could be desensitizing or it could make kids think that's okay because you're still at that age, you're still learning so much. You're just observing, taking things in. So I think there's definitely an element to, um, you know, parenting there and maybe they shouldn't be letting their kids, you know, play games like that. Um, so it, it is up to them to some extent. And I, I also agree with Simon that um, I don't think games are aimed at any particular age group for the most part. Uh, a majority of games are just kind of aimed to be sold and they just want as many people as they can to buy them. So if, if kids end up buying them, they're probably okay with that. If adults end up buying them, they're definitely okay with that. Um, cause they are, you know, they are still a business and they are still trying to make money at the same time. So, yeah, I agree with you guys. I don't think they're specifically marketed to, for a certain age or aimed at someone in particular, but I do think that, um, they can be like internalized differently depending on age. And I, again, I mean, I'm repeating myself, but I think children are definitely more affected and they should be, there should be like restrictions in place from parents about how much of those games can a child play and stuff like that. And also, um, you mentioned several times, like you touched on the different ratings. Can you elaborate a bit on that? Like what is kind of, how does a um, customer know which game is like rated in a specific way and it contains violence? Like what is the kind of. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I can, um, I can elaborate on that a little bit here. So the ratings for video games are assigned by the ESRB, which stands for the Entertainment Software Rating Board. And there are there are technically five different ratings that a game can have. The lowest rating is everyone, abbreviated as E, and it's explained on the company website as being content is generally suitable for all ages. And it may contain minimal cartoon, fantasy, or mild violence and or infrequent use of mild language. And some examples of games that are rated E, you have uh, sports games like Madden or FIFA or something like that. Uh, the Just Dance games are rated that. Minecraft would be rated that. And also racing games like Forza Horizon 4. So these are kind of your games that are more accessible to a wider audience here. And then the next level up, you have Everyone 10 Plus, which is related as, uh, or sorry, which is abbreviated as E10 Plus. And this is described as being content is generally suitable for ages 10 and up, and it may contain more cartoon, fantasy, or mild violence and or minimal suggestive themes and examples of games that are rated e10 plus this is pretty much exclusively designed for your lego video games so like lego marvel uh lego star wars those kinds of things 
that's pretty much what you're targeting when you have E10 plus on here. So next level up is teen abbreviated T. And in this one, it says content is generally suitable for ages 13 and up. It might contain violence, suggestive themes, crude humor, minimal blood, simulated gambling, or infrequent use of strong language. And these kinds of games, this is kind of where you're getting into your more violent types of games. You've got shooters. A lot of shooters can fall into this category. A lot of campaign-based combat games also. So in this one, you have Star Wars Battlefront, Fortnite, Apex Legends, Marvel's, Marvel's Avengers, those kinds of things would be in the teen category. And after that, mature 17 plus abbreviated M. In this one, it says content is generally suitable for ages 17 and up. And it might contain in this one, intense violence, blood and gore, sexual content and or strong language. And so this one, you're definitely knowing what you're getting from this rating when you're looking at the mature level. And so this, these types of games, you've got Call of Duty, GTA 5 is in this, Mortal Kombat, those kinds of games. And the last level that you have on the game, I've, re- I've rarely seen this ever employed on any video games. This is Adults Only 18 Plus, abbreviated as AO. And this one says content suitable only for adults ages 18 and up. And it says may contain, may include prolonged scenes of intense violence, graphic sexual content, and or gambling with real currency. And examples of these, I only really found a couple. Uh, there is one Mortal Kombat called Mortal Kombat X and GTA San Andreas were both games that used this rating. But I've rarely seen that one. So oh, wow. if that explains it, I hope that explains it pretty well. That explains it so well. Thank you so much, Simon. That was so elaborate and interesting. And so how do those violent video games sell with regards to others? Like what I read online is that shooter games sell best, which was I found around 26% of the overall, well, like sales. (laughs) And then come action games, which often also contain violence. So that kind of confirms to... Well, kind of confirms the idea that, you know, like violent video games do sell kind of more. But is that the case? Is it not? Yes and no. I think that we have to look at here. We have to look at the top selling games of 2020 in order to really have a, I guess, understanding of how violent video games sell versus the rest of different video games here. So The top two selling games of 2020 were both Call of Duty games, which were rated M, and those are both in the shooter genre, so that's kind of what you were talking about there. Those are your two top selling games. They're both shooters. They're both rated M, so definitely violence there. Number three and four are both E-rated games. You have Animal Crossing and Madden NFL 21. One of those is building, one of them is sports. So this is kind of, I guess breaking that trend in that these games are not violent. Uh, They're really kind of more geared to a younger audience as well. 
Uh, well, we could say that Madden is kind of uh, geared towards a younger audience, but that's really more geared towards football fans just in general. Like my dad also plays that game. I played that game. So that's kind of what you're getting there. The next three games on our list are all rated M. They're all campaign based combat games. And so now we're getting back into that kind of violent realm with these, they're not actually shooters, though. These are actually campaign-based combats. That means that you're going through a story and you're playing through kind of these levels and having to defeat enemies as you're going. And so this is, you'll find here more violence in these. And the next two games on our list are both Mario games at 8 and 9, and they're both E-rated, and those are kind of, well... Not kind of. Those are actually geared towards only Nintendo because the Mario games will only sell on the Nintendo console. So it's very interesting that these are in the top 10 for selling games because they're very limited in terms of where they can actually sell. So that is that's quite interesting to me. But those are both rated E and they're not necessarily violent. And then at number 10, rounding it out, we have a T-rated game, which is Final Fantasy VII, and that is kind of your RPG, which stands for role-playing game, where you have a character and they'll go fight enemies in kind of this arena combat type form, and you can upgrade your character as they get better. So that's that kind of thing. So if we're looking at this, we can say that the most violent video games have dominated this chart and that they are going to be the ones that are selling better than most of your E-rated video games. All right. What about you, Seth? What do you think about this? Yeah, um, I think in general, too, I feel like my perception is that there's also just more uh, T and M-rated games being made. That's There's just a big market there. And they are just in general more popular, especially with older audiences. Um, so I think that those games definitely sell more, but I think there's also a bigger audience there just of, you know, older, older people, because people up to 50, 60, you know, they can still be playing video games too. And so you go from, you go from 18 or 19, even 15 up to 60 versus going from, realistically like five to 15, there's just a much bigger um, range of people in the, in the older category that could just be more interested in those games and have the option to purchase those games. Um, so I think that definitely goes into it as well. Mm -hmm. Some, some of those violent games like call of duty, for example, comes out with a game every year as well, or at least they typically do. So like longstanding fans of that series usually like continuously purchase basically like the next edition or the next, um, the next game that that company makes. And so you, you definitely get sale increases there versus a game where they only come out with one or maybe two, um, kind of exceptions of these are like sports games, kind of like Simon was talking about with like Madden or FIFA, um, just football and soccer respectively, because those also come out with like a new edition every year. But fans are definitely less interested in purchasing the new one every single year as opposed to um, a game like Call of Duty. Right. 
super super interesting um yeah i mean i guess we can talk about violent video game technicalities all we want but i think one of the most interesting questions that we can ask ourselves is whether the violence in them actually contributes to violence in real life like does it um what is the connection between you know like um digital violence and people actually committing violence in real life is there a connection there like when i think about it i just think that it can go kind of like both ways for example playing um violent video video games can kind of provide a sort of relief to people and so they don't want to actually commit violence in real life but then it can also just like normalize it and encourage actual violent crime i don't know what you guys think about this yeah, so this has been a question that has troubled people a lot recently in yeah. American politics. Mm-hmm. And this question has kind of been put to rest already by multiple psychological studies. And so we're going to look at a couple of those today. And a few of them that I've found, we have some independent studies that I can cite here, but I'm just going to tell you what they say. So in these studies, and these have all been approved by the American Psychological Association, so they're all accredited. Um, this one will both, well, all three of the studies that I've found, which are talking about, do video games contribute to violence? All of them say that there is a correlation between violent video games and aggression, And that means that if somebody is already feeling mad and they go and try and play a violent video game, it may or may not contribute to them feeling more mad. So, but they said after this that these people who felt more angry after playing the violent video games did not want to go out and commit violent crimes after playing these violent video games. So there was no actual link here between any type of violent crime and playing the violent video games. In fact, there's another study that I found here that was talking about the relationship between violent video games and violent crime. And this is a study from uh, Baylor University and the University of Texas. And this one was talking about the link between violent video games, violent crime. It said that there was actually a decrease in violent crime due to the existence of violent video games. And the reason for that was because aggressive people and people who, you know, were just feeling bad would turn to beating somebody up in an electronic game in the virtual space instead of doing it in real life. So, if anything, there is actually a negative link here between violent video games and violent crime, meaning that people are more likely to play violent video games than commit violent crimes after playing violent video games. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. That is kind of how that works. And the American Psychological Association has also put out a statement which says violent video game play is linked to increased aggression in players, but insufficient evidence exists about whether this link extends to criminal violence and delinquency, which essentially states there's not a correlation here between violent video games and violent crime. 
Right. Wow, that's super, super interesting. It's kind of, I mean, at least to me personally, it's kind of counterintuitive. Like you're put in this environment which absolutely normalizes violence and, you know, like you spend hours and hours like killing people, stealing cars, doing I don't know what, like trashing places. And then so, I don't know, at least how I saw it, like there definitely was a correlation to me personally um, between, you know, being in this virtual space and doing those things and then feeling like you can just like go out in the world and do the same. But now that you've said that, that's very, very um, enlightening. Thank you for this. Um, what about you, Seth? Do you have an opinion on this? Yeah, I, I was going to give a couple of thoughts on that. Um, just the the first one being, I think there's definitely, kind of going back to the age thing that we were talking about earlier. Um, I think like one, as people mature, you know, and you kind of get to 20, 25, and you're still playing video games, you're definitely able to kind of separate the two, like you're able to separate real life versus what you're doing in a video game. So you, you kind of keep those two things separate in your mind. And I think that's definitely a little harder for like a younger, like a younger kid to do. Um, because I know like growing up, I, this never really was me, but a lot of my, or a few of my friends would like get so frustrated that they would, you know, they'd throw their controller off the wall or something and break it. And, um, not that that's to say maybe that made them a little bit more aggressive. That doesn't mean that they were going to go out and like, you know, start attacking people either. So it, it wasn't necessarily like a violent or like a criminal aspect to it, but there was definitely like a frustration and an aggression aspect there. And then kind of as those, those same people that did that got older, like they just stopped doing that. So there's, there was a little bit of a maturity element to it as well. Um, and then even like, you know, when we were kids, like we, you'd play a video game where guys are fighting with swords or whatever. So, like we'd all get our Nerf swords out when we were ten and have like you know we'd have Nerf gun battles and Nerf sword fights and things like that. But that those were never like in like a violent way. That was almost just like kind of in like a fun and like you're just kind of replicating what you saw and you're trying to do cool stuff, but you're not necessarily trying to like hurt anyone. Like you're just trying to have fun with it. If that makes sense. Uh, right. That was definitely that was definitely me when I was younger as well. Uh -huh. I would definitely go out and do Nerf gun fights and do that kind of stuff. But it was never with a malicious intent. It was just kind of, you know, because we thought it looked cool. And, you know, we kind yeah. of wanted to try and replicate it in real life. So that was. Uh, yeah, I definitely can agree with that. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's important that you mention intent, like just like I feel for me, that's the thing that truly matters, like whether someone actually has the intent to like commit it. And I feel like that can be unlocked in like other situations, like not just playing violent video games. So I do kind of understand why there isn't such a strong correlation between the two. Like it's all as long as the person can kind of distinguish that one of the environments is virtual and then the other is real life. So you can't really carry one into the other. Um, and then let's talk desensitization which is kind of different so you might not necessarily go out and start shooting people in the real world but what about you know just like people being desensitized to violence in the real world and like just not responding in the same way to violent imagery violent situations yeah okay so this is actually a very interesting topic and there are conflicting opinions out on this one in terms of the psychological community. So this one is actually not agreed upon whether violent video games actually cause desensitization. 
there are arguments for both sides here. So I'll kind of go into the side which says, yes, people are in fact desensitized by playing violent video games to violence in the real world. So this study that I'm going to mention here, it saw people playing as both a terrorist and a United Nations soldier in a video game. And in this game, the people who played in both positions, both the moral and immoral, over time felt less guilty when killing people in the game when committing violent activities and committing violent activities in this game. So we can say with this study that people became more desensitized to killing people in this video game after five days of playing the game. But this is really not a link between actual violence in the real world and violence in the virtual space here. There's not really a thing that links the two together because if these people were told something happened in the real world, we weren't, the study doesn't actually show if these people had been desensitized to a violent act in the real world. So this provides what's known as casual longitudinal evidence regarding the potential of desensitization with regard to video games. So that's one end of it. But there's another end that also provides a bit more of a concrete link, which says that violent video games does not, or sorry, violent video games do not, in fact, desensitize the players to violent actions in the real world. So this was a study which was conducted in Germany. And this one had young men play violent video games for four plus hours each day, but then they were introduced to violent actions which had been committed in the real world. And with this, these men still reacted the same way to these violent actions as people who had not been conditioned by playing the violent video games for four plus hours each day. So this study actually has a link here between violence in the virtual space and violence in the real world. And it says that people have not actually become desensitized by this playing of violent video games. But there was another thing here that they said about the violent video games that these young men were playing. It said that these young men became more antisocial than their peers, but there was nothing about emotional desensitization in this study. Yeah, I mean, when I was kind of researching this um, thing, this topic, it's kind of more, I found more evidence on the side of like, yes, there is an amount of desensitization. And uh, in specific, I read about this study from the University of New South Wales. And so they found like outstanding evidence that it did, like playing violent video games did in fact induce this thing called emotion induced blindness. And so basically they found that people were much less affected by violent and distressing images. And for me, that kind of like makes sense because when you compare just like merely getting desensitized to actually committing violence, like there is much less of like an emotional or like a physical response that's associated with this. So like, it makes much more sense that like violence is normalized. So you go out in the real world and everything seems fine. Even if you spot like violence being committed, you're much less likely to respond, but it takes much more to actually like commit a violent crime and stuff. 
So, but I guess we can't really quite conclude if there is like a super, super strong correlation. So we can always kind of bring out arguments from both sides. Definitely. Right. Yeah. I don't actually think there's an answer to this question out in the psychological community Mm -hmm. yet, but I feel like with, I guess, more research and more studies being conducted, I think that we'll find an answer eventually. Yeah, totally. Um, Well, I guess we can kind of touch upon the future of violent video games. Um, Do you guys think that they will become more or less popular with time? Do you think anything will change with regards to their um, popularity? Well, this is actually an interesting question that you've posed here. I think that violent video games, I don't know if I want to say violent video games will always be popular, but there has really always been a market for these violent video games. And if we've looked just at the sales for violent video games in 2020 alone, I feel like we can say that they've almost reached the height of their popularity at this point. I mean, they're probably more popular than they've ever been. And that's not actually based on any factual information that I've seen there. But I feel like because of COVID-19 and the pandemic, a lot more people are playing more video games. And I feel like the violent video games serve as a nice outlet for stress release during this difficult time. So I feel like the violent video games at this point have reached one of their most popular points in history. And I feel like for a very long time, they will continue to be popular because I feel like stressors will always be a part of people's lives. And I feel like some people need these video games as a way to relieve their stress and, you know, as a way to blow off some steam, I think. You know, I, I for one, enjoy playing uh, Star Wars Battlefront or something of that nature, like Marvel's Avengers even. When I'm feeling stressed out, I uh, put on my headphones, listen to some music, and uh, go shoot some people on a multiplayer map, and that really relieves a lot of stress for me. So I think that these video games have a great appeal And I feel like they will continue to have this appeal until they start, I guess, maybe getting repetitive and getting dull to play. But at this point, I feel like they're more popular than ever and there's more market for them than there ever has been in the past. So I feel like that will continue to drive innovation and these shooter games and campaign based combat games will be around for years and years to come. Yeah, um, I was just going to throw out there, too, uh, a couple thoughts I had kind of going off you, Simon. Um, definitely, like, with the when the, with the pandemic, when people were home and stuff, um, I believe, I don't know the exact numbers, but video game sales definitely rose in that time. Um, you know, while people were basically looking for things to do, kind of while they were stuck in their house. And so they definitely have kind of hit a little bit of a... Um, a relative peak, I guess, in their popularity. Um, but I also think like just another reason, and I'd kind of touched on it earlier that, uh, you know, video games in general, but also violent video games, just cause they're so popular, um, are going to remain popular because people like me, like get to play with their friends, like my friends who I don't get to see, you know, for nine months out of the year while on the way at school, and, you know, even after school, like I'll be away, you know, wherever I'm living, if I'm not near them. And it still kind of gives you a way to be able to connect with them 
and talk and, you know, kind of hang out, even though you guys can't be together, if that makes sense. Um, so I think there's, I think a lot of other people kind of do the same thing. Um, kind of like, I think you said with your, your dad, like you still play video games with him, even if you don't get to see him all the time. And and it kind of gives you that way to connect with people, even though you can't necessarily be, um, you know, in the same household as them or, or meeting them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See my friends and I, we, we play a lot of video games together as well. So I mean, like Forza Horizon 4 and Minecraft are great platforms for us to, you know, just get on there and uh, we kind of fool around a little bit, but also do some stuff. And uh, I think it's a great way for us to communicate and for us to hang out when we're not actually, you know, right next to each other. And especially during what you said about the pandemic, especially during that, I mean, I used uh, forums like Discord and stuff like that to play video games with my friends a lot during the pandemic because I couldn't hang out with them in person. So, and now that I'm here at school and most of my friends are at their own respective colleges, I think that it's even better and that those forums are even more, I guess, prevalent now than they ever were before because now I can use them at any time to hang out with my friends, even though I'm not, I'm not close to them. Right. Yeah, you guys touched on some really important things, especially with regards to COVID-19. I mean, like the times right now are super violent in of themselves and like tumultuous and like super uncertain. And I think it's normal that like people crave connection even more now that we can't really have it. And also like we have so many frustrations and negative emotions um, that we need to let out. And so even if we look at what's happening between Israel and Palestine, um, people are dying on a daily. I don't know. I feel like violence is a coping mechanism for some people. Um, and it's also kind of also, I don't know, I guess a hallmark of human nature. Um, and so having this, I guess, digital platform and environment where it can, you know, kind of be used as this coping mechanism that it is, um, I guess it will not be becoming any less popular anytime soon. So yeah, I might even start playing them myself. Who knows? Um, anyways, thank you guys for joining me today. Um, I think it's a great conversation that we had there. I yeah, agree. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for letting us talk about this with you today. Of course. Yeah. Super interesting stuff. Okay. And thank you all for listening to this episode of the game creativity podcast, and we'll see you next time.